Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Leah, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, August 16, 2013. Today we're reading from the big book. You're going to find us in Chapter 5, entitled How It Works, on page 64, the first paragraph, beginning with, Therefore We Started. And today's readers are Katie G., Sharon, Kim, and Hoodie. The share ID number for yesterday's meeting, Thursday, August 15th, is 4954. 4954. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now call on Marge to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Leah. My name is Marge. I'm a compulsive overeater. <clears throat> One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Pass. Thank you, Marge. I will now call on Lisa to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, everyone. This is Lisa from South Jersey. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. 
Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop compulsively overeating. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name but never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Lisa. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We are in Chapter 5, How It Works, on page 64, the very first paragraph, beginning with, Therefore We Started. And I will ask Katie G. to begin reading, please. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G. I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Boston. Therefore, we started upon a personal inventory. This was step four. A business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding and a fact-facing process. It is an effort to discover the truth about the stock in trade. One object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods to get rid of them promptly and without regret. If the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about values. 
the privilege to be here um, sober this morning on this meeting. And um, so what are, we, what are we doing? We're getting to our action steps, right? So um, in the prior paragraph, we talked about what's been blocking us. So we took step three, we made a decision. And a decision is only, um, you know, implementable, if that's a word, if followed by immediate action, right? So what's been blocking us? The manifestations of self. When I got to this part of the work, my sponsor said I'd been blocked and I couldn't officially fully take step three until I had, um, you know, gotten rid of what's been blocking me, my manifestations of self. So we had to look at the causes and the conditions. So what's making these blocks, the selfishness happen? So we're going to take an inventory. And what's an inventory? It's just a list. I hear a lot of drama about, like, and I had that too, about, oh, my God, the fourth step is so scary. It's just a list, right? We need to take an inventory. It's a fact-finding and fact-facing process. So we're just going to look at reality. We need to uncover. We need to be aware of what is, what is our stock and trade? How have we been living our lives? And it says we need to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods. So, so to, to date, like what I was convinced of that was the way that I had been living was not working. You know, it says unsaleable goods cannot be sold. Yeah, guys, the way I was living based on my self-centered fear, getting you to do what I wanted you to do all the time or else I'm not okay, that wasn't, that wasn't working. You know, I needed to get rid of them promptly and without regret. But I needed to collect them. I needed to write them down. Um, and, and I love this line. I... He, if the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about my values. And what are my values? They're the things I've been holding with regard. Okay, so my old ideas, the fact that I think that, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I put down my, my resentment. Who am I resentful at? I'm resentful at people who I think are better than me. I'm resentful at women who are blonde and have big boobs and are married. I'm resentful at people who are fat and you know, who are, who are thin and who have money and who are broke. I'm resentful because, you know, I hate myself so much, you know, and I want people to do what I want them to do. And living my life based on that self-centered fear was not working. Those, those were my values, you know, and, and, and looking at collecting this information in a very neutral way, writing down, who am I resentful at? and writing down where am I selfish, dishonest, self-centered, and afraid, and then, you know, ultimately in the process of step five, sharing that with another person, I got to see what my core is. Like, you know, one of the main resentments, one of the main truths I discovered about myself is I get resentful at people because I want them to be unhappy so I feel better about myself. What a sad way to live. What a finite God way to live, you know, that that I think that other people need to be miserable so I feel better about myself. Or I'm resentful at my parents because I want them to be perfect people without regard to who they were and what their wants, needs, or capabilities are. Well, grow up, Katie. You're 34 now. You know, you're placing these expectations on other people. And your self-centered fear, your self-centered way of living your life is not working. So I had, to, I had to be willing to throw out these old ideas and see and share with someone how these manifestations of self were not working any longer. But the only way to do that was a very, you know, very step-by-step, fact-finding, fact-facing process to discover how I've been living my life and how those roots, being rooted in self-centeredness, does not work so that I could be 
lifted and rocketed into this fourth dimension and live with God. And since I have done that, I have been continuously blessed with, you know, ongoing awarenesses of how, you know, living life on self does not work. And I continue to get on blocks on a daily basis and connected and reconnected with the God of my understanding. And it's an amazing life to live. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Sylvia? Sylvia, go ahead. This is Sylvia, recovered compulsive overeater in upstate New York. And um, I, I have told my story before, but I love this exact part of the book, as I say on every part of the book. But um, the paragraph before, though our decision was a vital and crucial step, it could have little permanent effect unless at once, and I missed that at once um, when I came into program, and I also missed our liquor was but a symptom, so we had to get down to causes and conditions. So here it tells us it's time to stay, take action on that personal inventory. A business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Yeah, I was going broke, but I had no idea what was going on. And so um, what, what happened to me is as it happens to many people in OA, which has been my observation, especially even in sponsoring now, is that um, I stalled on step three because I got some recovery with food. I got some weight loss. I was feeling pretty good. And it was about a year later, and um, I'd been off on a holiday break. And all of a, it wasn't all of a sudden. I did not like my coworkers at all. I didn't like my work. And it was time to go back to work, and I was sobbing. I was sobbing, and I went to a meeting, and I said, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can go back to work, and having a huge pity party. And, um, and so I, uh, after the meeting, I, I went and talked with this young woman, probably a third of my age, and I said, look, Ed, I heard you speaking at the meeting, and I, I think that, um, I, that you could maybe help me understand what's going on and what I'm going to do. I literally couldn't stop crying. And all she said was, have you done your fourth step? Well, no. So uh, that weekend, I grabbed my sponsor and I did my fourth step, which is exactly what it is, a personal inventory. And it's fact-finding and a fact-facing process. I got to discover the truth about myself and my character defects. And it was the most amazing relief. I could not believe. I was walking around my whole life with shame. And I was the most defensive person on the planet. You could compliment me. And I would be defensive because I was sure that you didn't like it or I'd worn the wrong thing. It didn't matter. I was just uh, uh, prickly. I was like a porcupine. And, um, and what happened for me, it was so amazing just like the big book uh, says, my obsession was lifted. I kept on working the steps. I, get to, I get, got to give up my character defects. And that is when I started to understand what this big book promises. That it's right here at once, fact-finding. Um, and it, w- it was the beginning of the miracle for me. Um, and uh, so uh, with all of my sponsees, it's like, Let's not get stalled. Step three, it says, at once, let's go. 
And it should not take long. Let's just get the inventory done because that's when you get relief. Otherwise, to me, we're just trying to do a diet if we're trying to put the food down. We can't keep the food down because we're still carrying all that shame and all those other character defects around. And with that, I pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you. Anyone else like to comment on what was read? This is Kim. I share. I heard Kim and then Bella. Was there anyone else? Okay, Kim. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. One object is to disclose damage and unsaleable goods to get rid of them promptly and without regret. If the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about values. You know, this inventory is very specific. There's one object to this, to this inventory. There are different types of inventories. But this inventory that we're going to take has one object, and it's to get rid of, and promptly without regret, those damaged and unsaleable goods. So if somebody is taking an inventory of their business, and they have VHS tapes and cassette tapes and 8-track tapes, do you think those need to stay in that inventory? Most people won't even recognize what they are. So you've got to get rid of them promptly without regret. And for those who are new, this is new information, this is going to be easier for you than those of us who have been in OA for 10, 20, 30 years because we have so bastardized this process. We have made it so complicated. So I want people to listen up. There is one object. We're not supposed to be listing our assets. There's one object. Look at what is damaged and unsaleable. What are those things that we have been carrying around for 10, 20, 30 years that no longer work, that we are attached to, those old ideas that have been keeping us blocked from God. You know, so I, I, I complicated it, and I know so many people complicated We write these histories of our lives as if we're going to hand it in to a college professor, a college dissertation. I was told one time to write about the, my, the, the day I was conceived, so I could feel, find out how my parents feel about, felt out about me. And we're going to learn this is a list. You're going to list these things down which are blocking us from God. That is it. And we cannot fool ourselves about their value. It might have worked in 1985. In 1985, leg warmers worked. I don't wear leg warmers in 2013. You know, what I found was when I did the fourth step my way, when I said that, I'm not going to look at this one object because I feel so bad about myself. I have to write about why I'm good. If I reinforced my resentments, I reinforced my fears, I reinforced my sex conduct because I wanted to prove to that person I was going to give my fifth step to so that I was right and they were wrong. So we cannot fool ourselves about the values. If what we were doing was working, why are we even in OA? Why do we care? If what you're doing is working, leave the meeting. Leave OA. Go out. Keep doing what you're doing. But if you are at the point, which you should be at this point, that you know you have a fatal disease, that you have an allergy to the body, the obsession of the mind, that you are powerless, if you know you need to seek that power, if you had made a decision to seek that power, then we're going to have to find out what is blocking us from that power. So there are very specific directions. And what I needed to do after 15 years in OA 
is I had to give up all these outside opinions of how I should do a fourth step. And I needed to actually read the directions and only do the directions. And when I was able to do that, I was able to get free. I was able to be free. The miracle today is not that I don't have to eat. The miracle today is I do not want to eat. And why is that? Because when I did my fourth step, I looked at these directions. And what do these directions say? It says one object. The object that we're looking at in this step, one object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods to get rid of them promptly and without regret. If the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about value. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Bella, go ahead. Good morning. I am Bella, a compulsive overreader. Wow, thank you very much for, the, for this meeting, and thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to share. I found in this paragraph um, a lot of hope, and it's the first paragraph of taking action. So it says it's in an effort to discover the truth. So first of all, you know, we have to understand that to make this day, to, to make this inventory, it's not, it's, it's not an easy job. It's, it's sometimes a very painful, a very long uh, time it takes to take the inventory, but, uh, and it takes an effort. You know, it's not something that it goes one to three and very easy, but, it's an effort for what? To discover the truth. It's a promise that, yes, you will work hard and we will discover the truth. There is something there that we will find it and it's a treasure. And it pays to do this effort because we all want to get the treasure. And it's a lot of hope. It says uh, to be successful. It's a promise. Yes, you will, you will work hard, you will do an effort, and you will be successful. And why will we be successful? Because we will find the truth. Till now, maybe it's an easy life, but we live in a deny. And thank God, thank God it's a miracle that I am in the program because, yes, before the program, I lived in a deny. Maybe I thought that I have control of everything, and I am the boss, the boss, and I am running the show, but it's a deny. And now, thank God that I am in the program. Yes, I do need an effort, but I live in a truth, and the truth is a treasure. I don't want to give it away for no money in the world. Yes, I need an effort, and I need to be willing to get the, 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 the power for this effort from, uh, from God. And it's a wonderful, wonderful feeling to, to find the truth. And by this, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Paula. Melanie. Paula and then Melanie. Go ahead, Paula. Thank you. This is Paula, Recovered Compulsive Reader. This was step four. It says here, taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding and fact-facing process. The facts. What is a fact? 
Anything done, deed, reality, truth. That's what a fact is. There used to be a program on TV. All right, I'm going to date myself, but that's okay. And Joe Friday, it was Dragnet. And he would always come with his little notebook. A little notebook, not a huge one, by the way, because he just wanted the facts, nothing else. The facts, ma'am, nothing but the facts. Not embellished, not drawn out, not lengthened, just the facts. And is an effort, it is an effort. Now, there it is. You're trying to discover the truth about the stock and trade. To discover, again, the word comes there, the truth. Something that you can't use anymore. Honey, you can't sell anymore. You don't even want it yourself because you bought it lock, stock, and barrel. You got this disease, girl. But look at what happened. To get rid of them promptly and without regret. Now, why would you hold on to something that brought you to this place? But we would because it was all we knew. But you had to get rid of it to know something better to draw yourself and to unblock anything, anything. Unblock it, because this is what's happening here. You're blocked from God. And what does it say? If the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself. You know, on 133, it has a line. We no longer live in the world of spiritual make-believe. Everything is fine. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. You're not connected, honey. You're out there flying back and forth, up and down, but whatever is going on, he cannot fool himself about their value. Thank you for allowing me to share, and with that, I do pass. Thank you. And Melanie, please. Hi, good morning, everyone. My name is Melanie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I read this um, in the same lines that everyone else has pulled out, and that is the fact that you're seeing fact-finding and then also discover. I read this as maybe the the author suggesting an attitude for me to take while I'm moving into this this the stage of, of recovery. And I like it uh, very much. It actually seems to temper some of the anticipation or maybe fear that I have going into this. Um, the attitude that if I were to align my thinking the same way a grocer is going to go about looking at the... the uh, uh, great northern beings on his shelf that aren't selling, I am not necessarily going to be emotionally attached to this. But this is going to be an interesting journey and that what comes through with this process is I am really going to discover. And I love that word discover because it talks to me about adventure. It talks to me about finding, oh my, look at what's there. Look at what's there. And that spells freedom to me. Look at what's there. I thought it was something else, and look, it's here, and that there's a process that can remove that from me. I love that, and I'm not going to be attached to it emotionally. I think that that's the framework and the idea that the author is is suggesting here, that I not hang on to things so tightly for there's more better things to come, and there's much more great things that are sellable that are going to come from this, and I'm going to be removed and discover some interesting things um, about an area of my life that I had no idea of, that kept me stuck forever, that kept me imprisoned forever. 
I love these words, and I love the idea of not being emotionally attached to it, and I believe in my heart, I'll just repeat again, that it's a framework to align myself to just the way the, the store owner would do with things on his shelf. And um, with that, I pass. Thank you so much. My name's Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I, too, wanted to jump in on this. It says, a business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Well, <laughs> my life is like a business. You know, I have a personal business. My personal business is the business of finding a way to live. I need to find a way to live. Because obviously, the way I have been living uh, uh, is not working. Um, it's not working because I was self-destructing. So I have a business, and my business is to find a way to live. I'm utilizing the big book <laughs> to find a way to live where I can have peace of mind, where I can have serenity, where I can have happiness. Um, and if I don't inventory my personal business, I'm going to go broke. I'm going to go broke. What's going broke for someone like me? Going broke for someone like me is going back into the food, right? The food is down. We are separated from our binge foods. I'm now embarking on the program of recovery. This is my first action step. So going broke for me is simply to go back to compulsive overeating. So the big book is giving me opportunity now with step four, the first action step, to look into my mind where my thinking resides, and look at the flawed thinking processes within my mind. That is what's damaged. That is what's unsaleable for someone like me, for someone like me. It says taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding, which means searching. We're searching, and a fact-facing process. It's fearless. You know, the big book has taught me in previous pages that I am a selfish, self-centered human being. I have flawed thinking processes. I need to face and search what those are. You know, and the big book, uh, this first action step, uh, allowed me for the first time, I saw the real truth for the first time beginning to see the kind of personality I had developed through my years of living a life based on self-will run riot. It says one object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods to get rid of them promptly and without regret. So one object, I mean, businesses have all kinds of objects, all kinds of reasons they take inventory. There's all kinds of reasons why a business takes a commercial inventory. They want to know what's good. They want to know what's bad. They want to know what they have. They want to know what they don't have. We are very focused here. The big book is focusing me on one object. That's all we're looking at, one object to disclose damage and sell unsellable goods. That's it. I need to take a look and see what is blocking me. You know, the big book, it's a self-survey. It's very focused on the obstacles to recovery, that spiritual sludge that blocks me off from God. That blocks me off from God. So this process that the big book is talking about is designed to point out to me my character defects that are blocking me off from the sunlight of the Spirit. And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on?
I'll take that as a no. Let's move on. Can, to I, the ask next again, can I ask again what page you're on? We are on page 64, and we're now on the second paragraph. And Sharon, would you please read that for us? Thank you. Good morning. This is Sharon, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. We did exactly the same thing with our lives. We took stock honestly. First, we searched out the flaws in our makeup which caused our failure. Being convinced that self manifested in various ways was what had defeated us, we considered its common manifestations. So this this paragraph sets us up for what's coming next, for us to actually dive in and, and get to work and start actually really, really getting on that road of improving our relationship with God, with our others, of understanding ourselves, of seeing ourselves. And when I approach this, I don't know if there's anyone else who was like me, but when I approached step four, I was, you know, one, two, three, I was happy to do all of those grateful. I was optimistic. I got to step four and I thought, well, this really shouldn't be too bad because quite frankly, I don't see that I have any resentments. I I couldn't, I honestly, I, you know, I sat and I thought, I'm like, okay, write down my resentments. I couldn't see any. I was so blocked. I was so much in my disease I uh, that I could not see myself. And quite frankly, how else could I be a person who was killing herself with food unless I was a person who really had some separation from reality at some level? There was things that were blocking me. So how could I get beyond that? How could I get to the point where I could really break down the barrier that kept me from seeing myself? And I, one of the things that I had to accept is how, looking back, how bad I was in a self-directed life. My life, I was so miserable. Things were so bad. I was so desperate. My life was in such disarray that the thought of going back to that really gave me the impetus to go forward in spite of the fact that I couldn't even imagine what going forward would look like. When I got to this point where I... All I had in front of me was this four steps, and I was told I had to go through, figure out what my resentments were, and I had no idea how I could ever do that. Uh, the thing that came to mind or comes to mind right now is page 58. Uh, at some of these, we balked. We thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. I couldn't 
this is it. I, this is it. You either do this or you go back to that. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. And so at this point, at this entry point into the fourth step, I had to make a decision that I was going to let go of, of, of my belief that I had no resentments and to just do the next step. So I just took it one day at a time. I, I had my four steps by my uh, sponsor. My sponsor told me to take out some sheets and write down my resentment. I explained to her that I could not see any resentment. She thought that was pretty funny. And she said, just write down any disturbance, anything that disturbs you or bothers you. Just write that down on the left-hand column. Anybody, anything that's happened. So that was the way I started to let go of of this belief that I didn't see any resentment. And so I was able to just begin with one day just writing down just the things that bothered me, that disturbed me, the people, the places, the things. And I began that way. And I'm very grateful that I was through that process. I was able to make a start. And then that just broke the ice and I was able to go forward. And with that, I passed. Thank you, Sharon. Lauren? Lauren, go Katie. Ahead. Miriam. And then Katie. And then Miriam. Miriam. Do I Lauren. Okay. <laughs> Katie, Miriam, go go ahead, Lauren, please. Okay. Uh, I just wanted to say that I am Lauren S. from Pittsburgh, a, uh, compuls- a recovering compulsive reader. Um, I want to say that the inventory for me was a very uh, life or death matter. I, I did it in about two weeks, um, but I um, put it ahead of everything in my life. It was just, it was an incredible process, but uh, also the reason that I had to do the inventory was simply because I take the big book as like a giant recipe book, and I have to do every single thing in it or else I won't get the results, and I really trust that the results are recovered from this um, fatal malady, and um, I have to take every word as sort of like an ingredient, and if I leave something out or change it or want a different color or want different wording, then I'm not going to get what they got. So that's just so as simple as pie. That's how I take the big book, and that's how I take the steps. So, no, I don't want to do inventory. No, I don't want to do it this way, but I have to because I don't know what the results will be. And I can't do things my own way. I have to do them someone else's way. And the best thing is, is I'm doing it these people's way, and these people are God-centered. So it's easy to trust that I'm not doing it my way, which never worked, and I'm doing it a way that was proven to work, you know, as long as what they say is true. And the inventory, um, as long as I just, did it and didn't think. I think one of the best things I've learned in program that I try to tell people and that people who are recovered tell me is don't think so much, just do it. 
and I didn't even think about, well, I don't really want to do this. I don't know if I really have fear in me. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I just did it and if I just um, took the effort to take my hand, get a paper, get my sheet, and write, that eliminated 90% of the worry. And then the extra 10% just came as my hand was flowing and I was writing and writing things I didn't even realize were in my head. Um, So I just want to say that inventory has a lot of sort of negative weight bound to it. The fourth step has a lot of fear bound it. At least I heard a lot of fear from other people about it. But um, I couldn't think. I just did. And I just took my mind out of the gutter and just did. And I listened to a ton of the Vision Free meetings, talked to a ton of recovered people, did a ton of footwork, went outside and did my fourth step in a chapel, a non-denominational chapel. So I went you know, have even more resentment build, and it was a beautiful process. So thanks, I'll pass. Thank you, Lauren. Katie? Good morning. This is Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Um, and focusing just on this paragraph, um, we did exactly the same thing with our lives. We took stock honestly. And for me, I had to... You know, my uh, my existence had been blaming my circumstances, blaming other people, um, blaming everything except myself. So this is talking about not taking someone else's inventory. I'm not taking, you know, my mother's inventory or my boss's inventory or my uh, anybody else's but my own. And when I looked at those the things that were only my part, then I could see, you know, basically the basic, um, you know, seven deadly sins that that ruled my life. You know, resentment, fear, those aren't the deadly sins, whatever they are. Um, Resentment and fear and these just common perils that we all have. But when I take out the part where I'm, you know, the but, the but, but it was because of this, or but, it, you know, I had to do it that way. And, and just the blaming and the um, accusing and the um, making excuses and looked at my part and what became the, um, what caused my selfishness and how it manifested in various ways um, and how it caused me to suffer. You know, my resentment towards my father did nothing to him. It only hurt me. And until I could look at at the fact that I am the only one who needs to change here, I'm not changing so that someone else will change. I'm changing because that's what God is calling me to do. And I really have no idea what the next thing is going to look like. I, I thought that I, I knew. I thought that my life would look this certain way if I took these steps and I got thin and everything would be great. And, you know, it turned out that I didn't know anything, that um, just doing the next thing in front of me and taking the inventory and taking responsibility for my part and leaving the rest alone and not worrying about if anybody else ever takes responsibility for their part in my misery, 
um, was a very freeing experience. Um, but it's it's very simple, as people have described this morning. You know, when I looked at my um, history, there really were just these these themes and these um, the same thing just kept happening over and over again. And it was uh, because of my character defects that um, ruled my life. And you know, today when those things crop up. I can just immediately turn them over to my higher power and do the next right action instead of going down that spiral of negativity. So, um, you know, it doesn't, it's not meant to be something that's going to just cripple us by taking this inventory. And, you know, looking at the analogy of like a business that takes inventory, I mean, you know, you don't want to buy stuff that's rotten and that's what we're doing. We're getting rid of the rotten things in our life. And thank you all Pat. Thank you. Miriam Hi. on what was read. Thank you. Hi, this is Miriam calling from Israel, a compulsive overreader, living in a solution to the best of my ability one day at a time. So grateful to be here and to be listening to all your chairs. It gives you so much. Um, well, when I when we got into step three, uh, we took the decision to go ahead with this process uh, after realizing how powerless I am about my life in general. Uh, you know about food, of course, and any of my uh, obsessions. Uh, we come into step three, and my sponsor said that uh, you know when we did the the, the prayer together that I'm taking on myself, you know, like a commitment to to do my writing uh, for my four steps and and then get it up to step nine when I, you know, I, I will get with, with my, uh, ahead with my amends and then uh, to carry the message to others. And I, I'm not saying that it's an easy process. It's not. It's, it's very, it can be very, very overwhelming at times, uh, but I always felt that, you know, like like the first time that I started reading the book and I was shown, uh, you know, that it's a WE program, you know, obviously with the help of a higher power uh, in the center and, you know, fellowship and, and, and my sponsor, that her directions uh, were crucial for me many times in times of uh, being tired and she always gave me you know, uh, hope that that things were going to happen to me. And she was always mentioning, Miriam, you know, when you will give away this and, and the other, she, she, you know, and obviously she gave me a lot, a lot, a lot of help. And I, you know, I will humbly say to anyone that, you know, is, is worried about this process and everything. Yes, it's very true. It's not easy. And, I, be, before I wrote, you know, before I start writing in any of the columns, you know, we're not there yet, and, you know, I had a couple of prayers that I always did, you know, the third step prayer and the set aside prayer. And, you know, uh, things were coming up um, uh, and, and God was, was giving me in a way, you know, names and peoples and, and, and things that I, I had resentment with. And I did realize that, you know, I was so 
afraid of getting into that place on me, you know, as if I wasn't a human being. And I discovered that, you know, most of the time that I I was running and, and running and running, you know, and, and going to the food or going to, you know, uh, you know, all kinds of defense mechanisms with people, places and things. It was my fear of realizing that I'm only human, that I'm not perfect. And then I have all these things, the same as everybody else. I haven't heard a lot of step five for the moment, but what I've heard, you know, problems are very, very similar. And in this case, the qu- the question is, is to open them up, you know, to put them on the table and to say, God, the same way that I'm powerless about the food, I'm powerless about all this stuff, you know, you, you gave me all this stuff. I can't do anything about it. Here you are. You take it, you know, as we will be seeing in step in the other step five to nine so uh, there's so much confusion with this you know there's so much a part of the person that feels oh my god look at what a horrible person I've been look at the horrible things I did and yes maybe I did horrible things towards myself and towards others but for goodness sake I didn't know anything else you know that's what I knew and that's what I did my best and now for the grace of God, I know something different, and it's it's an ongoing it's an ongoing uh, process that you know it stays until the end of our lives, and that was is really amazing, and I'm so so grateful. Thank you so much, and I pass. Thank you. This is Leah. Being convinced that self. Hi, Can I hear me? Devora. Devora. and who else was there? Naomi, Naomi, one moment, please. Okay, and Chaya, one moment, please. Let me. I'll just make a very brief comment here. Being convinced that self manifested in various ways was what had defeated us. So the big book has already started its uh, introduction to us. We're not talking about alcohol anymore. That alcohol is a problem. Uh, Alcohol is just a symptom of being estranged from God, being malaligned. Uh, the big book is now going to say, you know, why am I at, why am I malaligned? Why am I estranged from this higher power, from God, from community, from world? Why why am I estranged? Well, being convinced that self, selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, frightened, that that's its manifestation in various ways, was what had defeated us. We considered its common manifestations. The big book is very very focused here. It's not about, uh, it's not asking us to write our life story in excruciating detail. It is asking us to make a list. What's on your mind? Empty your mind in a list form. That's it, and it's going to focus us on common manifestations. What does manifestation mean? Manifestation means appearances, qualities, demonstrations. So it's going to focus us on the common manifestations. And the common manifestations of self are resentments, fears, and sex conduct. So it's very focused here. Again, it's not asking for a life story. (laughs) It's not asking for excruciating detail. It's just asking very focused. It's going to be very focused here on the common manifestations. Okay, let's move on for further comments, please, on the paragraph only. And this is, uh, we'll start with Devora. Thank you.
Yeah, hi. It's good morning. It's Laura. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in New Jersey. And um, honestly, when I came to this point, um, you know, I also said, I don't have anything. I could tell you what's wrong with you, but I don't have, I have resentments. I don't know if I, I don't know if I have any resentments. It was like, I remember going to a early um, meeting. It was two recovered alcoholics um, who shared at an OA meeting how to do this fourth step. And he said, you must get down, you know, think of, you know, get into the resentments, think of who you're resentful for and to, and, and, and I went over to these gentlemen afterwards and I said, you know, I can't think of any resentments in my life. I really don't. And they looked, he smiled and laughed. He said, you know what, really, you got to really think about that one, pray on that one. And it's only many, many years later that I got into this um, working the big book with a sponsor, a recovered sponsor, that um, I was able to see what, where I'm coming from, what the common, ma- what the common manifestations are um, in my life were and, and still are, the selfishness, the self-seeking, the dishonesty, and the fear. And, um, and what a relief, you know, to write it down very simply, um, to the point, not with a lot of stories, but very, very simply, and to see what my part was in all this, in all, in all these areas, and all my resentments, and um, and that common thing was going through each one of the, each each resentment I had. Myself was there in all of them: the selfishness, the self, the dishonor, the the fear, the all those. Oh, everything there was was there with me, and um, it was very, it is very, very enlightening and a real learning process. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Devora and Naomi. Good morning, and thank you very much. I could so relate about the business end of it. Uh, I had a daycare business from my home for years, and I saw that, and keeping the soiled diapers would not would not work for me. I had to get fresh, clean diapers for the children. So in doing so, I had to do an inventory. And in doing an inventory, I on personally, when I got to step four with my sponsor, my vision sponsor, I saw I was loaded with selfishness, self-seeking, self-centeredness. And I had to get rid of all that and making the list and going over over what my resentments were. But I saw that once this was completed, I... I had a freedom. I had a new freedom that I never knew before, and it was such an enlightenment in, into my my brain. And I was convinced that that the self manifested in various ways was really defeating me and pulling me down and kept me right into the food. Thank you for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thank you, Naomi, and Chaya on what was read. Thank you. Hi, everybody. This is Chaya, recovered compulsive eater and bulimic from Dallas, Texas. You know. Um, it's telling us, you know, first we searched out the flaws in our makeup. And first I just want to welcome anyone who's new or anyone who's been in OA for years and um, being introduced to this information. You're not alone, um, but this is really the program of recovery that we're discussing. Um, just uh, on this paragraph, I just want to remind myself and, and those of you that just a page before, we, um, we hired a new employer. <laughs> so our business now has a new owner. Uh, and it's not me. And, um, you know, if a business has a new owner, the owner comes in and says, we need to take stock and see what's going on here. 
And I want to get rid of stuff that's keeping us from being the most effective business that we can be because, you know, that's, that's what I want as a business owner. I want to be successful. And so our, our owner and our new employer, which is God as we understand God, um, which we may not understand him very much at this point, so we're just taking the directions that the people who did have a spiritual experience um, are telling us, is that we have to search out the flaws. You know, Tiffany's takes inventory. <laughs> Tiffany's takes inventory. But I'll tell you, they don't spend nine months taking inventory because, you know, that, that store, when, if you've ever been to a store that's taking inventory, it's kind of messy. It's nothing to be to shop in. Um, you want to be able to see the good stuff that's there, but you've got to get rid of the bad stuff. But they do it quickly, usually overnight, you know, and they'll do it really fast. So that they, you know, boom, 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 boom. They get rid of what's not saleable anymore, what's not effective, what's outdated, like Kim shared earlier, leg warmers. You know, they're not really, although I bet they'll come back. But so this is, the, this is what we're doing here. It's a list. They're going to tell us very specifically in the next paragraph. Um, what those common, common unsaleable goods uh, are categorized as. They're going to tell us exactly how to do it. So being convinced that self manifested in various ways. We did that a few paragraphs ago. Um, we, re we realized self, self-centeredness, that's my problem. And I have to have a different way. And this new employer is going to help me do it in a different way. But I've got to get rid of the, sale, the unsaleable goods. Um, because they're causing me failure. Remember, the reason why we got here is because we couldn't stop eating. I couldn't stop eating or sticking my finger down my throat. That is not, you know, that is not an effective business. That is me wrapped up in me. And um, the, the other thing that's really wonderful about this process is that um, it's very self-correcting. You know, all we do is all we do is try. But follow the directions. Follow the directions. See what happens. Um, I did. And guess what? Just like if I follow a recipe, I'm going to get pretty much exactly what the recipe tells me I will get. Um, this recipe, as someone said earlier, is called Recovered. And guess what? I'm a recovered compulsive eater today. And um, following these directions produced that. And this is the first action that we're taking. Very first one. The first three steps are really easy in a way. They're, they're thinking. They're just thinking. This is action. Um, and you know what? I don't want to go back to eating. That's the number one reason why I had to do this. Um, okay, thanks. I, I, with that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you, and thank you to everyone who participated in this morning's meeting. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Kim, will you please read a vision for you? Thanks, Leah. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.